Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 Let's bring in Vincent. As soon as he's done blowing his nose, I don't want to catch him in a bad way. But uh, <laughs> let's ask him, I guess, first of all, Vincent, how are you, sir, first of all? I'm doing well, man. You have to put my business out there, man. I was- <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, where's my lunch? I need to, yeah. I need to bring food on here. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and... and I, I got them all the time. Let's start with asking you what you think about what's going on in the country right now with all of these efforts by Republicans throughout the country to throw out votes, especially in cities, which we know is a euphemism for black, where black people live. Right. It's um, it's disheartening, really, to the links that they will go through to make this happen, because they're willing to go through all of this just so another group can feel equal or get a fair shake. They're not willing to give up. They think that just because helping someone achieve equality means that you have to give up something. No, it doesn't. But it's amazing that we're no better off today in 2020 than we were off in 1960. Mentality wise, the same mentality. Um, and then, and that is hurtful. It's disrespectful, number one. And what's going on is going to get somebody hurt um, because it's dangerous. And then when you have the leaders of the of, of states, of the country, of Republican parties, of, of these large organizations saying that we don't, we're not going to respect the outcome of our most sacred um, institution of voting which people like me that look like me have died for this right. Now you're saying, oh, it's not really worth the paper it's written on. That's dangerous and it's hurtful and it's something has to change. Do you think that being a representative here in Tennessee where we are constantly uh, being reminded of how low they're willing to go has sort of prepared you in some way for this moment? Like it's impossible to be shocked here in Tennessee anymore I, I sort of feel like that helps us be prepared for the shock of what we're seeing nationwide. <laughs> well, you know what? It's you can you know why we're so prepared here in Tennessee? Because whatever Trump does, you know, five seconds later, guess who's going to do it? Bill yeah. Lee, because Bill Lee can't think for himself. He has surrounded himself with other people that look like him, so he only can see things through one lens, right? He can't. He doesn't have a diverse a group of people around him. And he is, uh, he's, he's brainless. He's spineless. Um, I don't know what he's, he's, I don't know uh, any other <laughs> adjectives that I could uh, attach to him. In some of the comments that he makes, I don't think he thinks through what he's saying. Just the, just mm-hmm. the one about COVID is like, we're doing, we're, we're doing everything great. We're doing everything great. How can you be doing everything great when we're having the highest rates ever in Tennessee and they're getting, higher and you're doing nothing you pass the buck to the mayors 
then the mayors kind of like they do whatever they're doing. So there's really no guidance. So right. it all really it all starts at the at the federal level, right? And we see it here in Tennessee, like five seconds later after it does that. And we, you know, we we must well have Trump as a governor. Yeah, right. well, it's a chain of bad leadership. Right. Absolutely. We have seen that doctors are now inviting Governor Lee to come to the ERs and see it for themselves. The the runaway cases, the runaway deaths, the entire country is now basically in the red zone. And they don't ever seem to want to acknowledge that they may have taken the wrong tack here. You know, it, it's really a remarkable thing to see how unwilling they are to admit fault ever. And certainly Trump sets the example. And then so does Governor Lee. And then the rest of the legislature follows suit. You are now running for caucus chair. Uh, Mike Stewart has been caucus chair. He's stepping down. <clears throat> what in your mind does a caucus chair do? We had John Ray on here, asked him that. I'm just curious what you think the role of a caucus chair actually is. Whatever John Ray said. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I, I believe the caucus chair, One, the number one thing is we have to bring our caucus together, right? We, we, our caucus in it, just here at the legislature, we have to bring it, bring it together because we're kind of disjointed there. And we don't really necessarily have a message for the Democrats here in Tennessee. So my role as the caucus chair is to work with the Senate chair and with the party, the TNDP party, so we can have a cohesive message. So and once you have a cohesive message that actually resonates with people, we have a good message. It's just not resonating, right? Mm -hmm. um, people know that they're losing jobs. They know that they don't have money to, to feed their families. They don't have health care. They all know this, right? But they still vote for someone else. So we're going to that to that later. But the other part of it is fundraising. We have to fundraise in order to do these things mm -hmm. to change the branding and to get our message out. And we have to be able to support our members and our candidates. And that's my that's our job as the caucus chairs to make sure we fundraise, make sure we're cohesive as a unit. And we support our candidates and our members. Do, do you think uh, there already is a message or is it also about figuring out what that message is? I feel like part of the issue is if you ask Democrats, what is the message? You get a bunch of different answers. Whereas if you ask Republicans what the message is, whether we agree with it or not, you know, they always say the same thing, low taxes, freedom, you know, none of it means anything, but you know, they at least get what the, like the three bullet points are. Do you think there's still some work to do to figure out what that message is from the Democrats? You know what? We have been on, we've played so much defense over the last four years, at least since I've been in, in it, that we're, we're playing defense so much that we don't even have a message right now. We let the Republicans tell us what our message is. We're just playing defense so much. Uh, they're for so they're socialists. Um, they're, you know, and so we have to defend them. Well, why we're not socialists? You know, and then and, then, and think about it. Socialism, the people in the rural counties, the people in the rural counties should be wanting socialism because they're the ones that are hurting so bad. What's so bad about wanting health care for people who can't pay for it for themselves? Right. What's so bad about wanting a uh, <clears throat> living wage for everyone? What, what's what's wrong with make everybody paying right maybe maybe, it, maybe not that they want should want socialism but that what they call socialism is what they they should want right and they have right. some of it like the VA everybody likes the mm -hmm. VA that's socialism farmer bailout that's socialism mm -hmm. you know roads military schools these are all things paid for by government money so mm -hmm. I and think just you're making right. things more democratic you know right 
Well, and I guess that's the problem. It's more democratic. If it was more or like small D, small D democratic. <laughs> no, yeah. I know, I know. I was just there. I just took the chance <laughs> yeah. to say that. But I think that is part of the problem right there. They're, they're so brainwashed. I was listening to you earlier. You said they're brainwashed and it just are like sheep. And it's like, we don't care if you're killing every third one of us, as long as we're, you're not a, we're not associated with anything that says Obama or Democrat. We don't care. Right. We're willing to cut our nose off to spite our face. Yeah, we have right. a bad brand. Yeah, so I think you're right that there is a, a some work to do messaging wise. Uh, one thing that we like to bring up now because we're going to start trying to hammer <laughs> this as much as possible, and yes. every time we, we have graphics, one of you guys Bill on Lee? here, is that what what's you want that? You hammer what? Bill Lee? No, we know you're going to hammer Bill Lee, but one of the <laughs> things that I think could cross party lines, class lines, color lines, age <laughs> lines, uh, is an issue that I think you know, you guys support, but haven't necessarily centered the way you could. And so we want to suggest that maybe legalizing, decriminalizing marijuana is something that could be a much bigger part of the platform, the messaging, because, you know, this is something that pulls through the roof. It could help rural Tennessee. It could help urban Tennessee. And it's just something that I think everybody already agrees on, but it doesn't necessarily come up enough. And it feels like you guys are in a position where you could really own that issue, especially with it getting, you know, ballot initiatives in Mississippi. You know, we just saw it pass in a few states that are conservative states throughout the country. This is obviously something that's time is coming. And so what do you think about centering that? I think that's a good, that's a great idea. I, I don't think it could be like the number one, but I think that it's up there. Um, it's funny that you said that. I was just talking with someone about that um, yesterday, and we were talking about that we should legalize it. And then if you were falling within that parameters of whatever that amount is, what do you do with the people that have been convicted on on those charges? Mm -hmm. Should they just be let go? Should they should their sentences be vacated? Of course. And so there's a, a yeah. thing. Of course, <laughs> you know we yes. we agree on that, but a lot of Republicans they feel that if you committed a crime. They want people, the world to know you've always committed a crime, right? Yeah. Even though. Which is bad. So can we do that for Glenn Cassida also? Right. Exactly. Well, well you know, there's a lot of people after, you know, but if my thing is that sometimes people deserve a second chance, but I think that the decriminalization uh, and legalization of marijuana is, it's, it's a no brainer right now, especially, mm -hmm. you know, why, why it should be able to do that now, why should the, the climate should be good because we can figure out a way to tax it. And guess what we need here in Tennessee? Right. More revenue. That's right. Right. Well, so, actually, you know, we have a lot. They just don't like to spend it. <laughs> they're just hoarding it. <laughs> they're just hoarding it. Right. Right. For Sitting a rainy day. For a rainy day. We've had tropical storms. We've had everything to come through Hurricane. Tennessee and we're right. still not getting it. And matter of fact, even with the, uh, the P EBT, the pandemic EBT, we're going to get ready to send back $50 million worth right. money because we couldn't we, we we made it too difficult in the beginning in order for people to apply for it and receive this benefit right right so now when they move the restrictions now you have a time a time constraint that you can't even get people food it's like it's not going to go away their hunger is not going to go away because this time has run out people mm -hmm. still need food and be able to eat and, and we go back to when we're talking about like the, the not socialism but the uh ideals of it like who doesn't want broadband or internet access for their kids, right? Who doesn't want health care for their whole family? I mean, quality health care and access to it, not 30, 45 minutes away. 
you know, things that who doesn't want $15 an hour as a minimum wage to try to make you want it. I think the challenge is connecting that stuff to Mm -hmm. the Democrats and to, you know, the brand of that is you guys also underneath all of this is the discussion about what role government should be playing in everybody's lives. And Republicans love to create this image that government is bad, government is the enemy, except when you need it. I feel like there's a lot of work to do to show, you know, government is is people, government is how we take care of each other. And, you know, kind of erasing the stigma of government could help people embrace the message of, of the Democrats too. Well, if there was no role for government, right, then, you know, what, what the Republicans always, they love to say is, if, if the Constitution says this, the Constitution, that if the Constitution did everything that we need to do, there would be no need for us, right? Right. That's why we have a need, because things come up. Things have to, they, they arise. Republicans, they love to say we want smaller government, and then they turn around and use the same argument of why mm-hmm. they need bigger government, right? Or they don't like government until it's time for them to, to get, to them for them to retire and then get a job at a department making six figures as a consultant, getting paid by the government, which they said has too much intervention in the regular people's lives. So, you know, it's, it's about messaging. They have beaten us. They have beaten us to death and beaten us to the punch with their messaging and they've got it out there. And it's kind of like, um, well, you know that I own a bail bonding company, right? Nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, oh, I think I need to go make a bond, right? So it's called like drip marketing. I just have to make sure I stay in front of people. So when they do need something, it's like, oh, let me call Vince. Right. Guess what we have to do as Democrats? We have to start now. We can't wait until election season to start no. doing things. We got to start now, sending, getting this message out, getting, doing what we need to do. What, how are we going to change that word, that connotation around socialism, which is not really what we do, but just being having equality and access to these things that we all need in order to help our children and our families to succeed and provide for them, right? So how do we craft that message that resonates with the rural people so they understand, you know what? I've been voting against my own interests for the last 15 mm-hmm. years, and I didn't even know it. I, You know, how do we make them, how do we snap our hands up? snap our fingers or clap our hands to wake them up to say, you know what, get them out of this trance to say, you know what, what I've been doing is not good for me or this country or the state. Seems yeah. like a big part of the, go ahead, Cassie. Oh, um, I was just going to say that it's, it's actually interesting because yeah, I mean, labels, um, you know, there's been a lot of demonization of a lot of these different labels and just of Democrats in general um, and a lot of misinformation to combat. But an interesting um, thing that I learned just recently is that the Republican Party was actually founded in some state in the Midwest. I can't remember which one, um, but it was founded by people that had a socialist ideology. Obviously, there, there's been a lot of transformation of the political parties over the past you know, 150, 200 years is very different from the way that they started, but it was actually founded by socialists. And so like this, like the, there's a rich tradition of socialists in America. And I'm not trying to tie that to what we're, you know, to anyone individually right now. I know that's a difficult label, um, especially here in Tennessee, but it is just, it's just interesting to think about how things have been, you know, so, so transformed um, in that time. And that now, like, you know, regardless of whatever you want to call it, you know, just um, the things that, you know, good Democrats are fighting for equity and, um, you know, policies and positions that will help bring, you know, 
um, good things to people, to more people. More. It seems like we need to do a better job of putting a face on the people who government does help, telling those Mm -hmm. stories. You know, showing showing the people who have been helped by Medicare, Medicaid, showing the people who have been helped by food stamps, helped by you know the farmer bailouts. Like we need to see that in action, and and you realize that oh, you know, it it's people just like me. People who are against this stuff are often even on it. So you know, I, I just feel like again, we all are saying the same things. It's about getting on the same page. Think about like this is the perfect case of why insurance shouldn't be tied to your job going through this pandemic. Right. You have so many people exactly. that are getting sick. Now, at first, they've lost their jobs. Now they're getting sick. Now people are dying because they can't get to the ER or they can't go see a doctor because they're like, well, I don't have insurance. How am I going to pay for it? Right. So this is the perfect example to see why shouldn't we have a basic level of health care for everyone? Yep, right. absolutely. Basic. And then right. if you can afford more, you buy more. But right. there definitely needs a basic, be a basic level uh, of access to Preaching quality health care. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely you know, agree we with have you. To do that. You know, we, it's so much that's happening right now. You said, no, how do I feel about what's going on right now? As a black man in Tennessee right now, I feel like uh, that I'm insignificant. Right. Because whatever I say, it doesn't work. It's not here. I feel like I'm not being heard. And when you look and you see that 70 million people decided that being a racist and a bigot wasn't a deal breaker. That is disheartening. And it's mm-hmm. frustrating. It can make you angry, and it can it can crush you if you don't. But that instead of it crushing me, what it does is it fuels me to make to want to do something more. And it fuels me because I believe the good in people. I believe in the Justins. You know, I believe in the Cassie. I know that there are people out there that want better. That truly want equality for everyone and just want to live and be happy. Right? I can't. I don't want to force my ideals on you. You know, I might. You know, I like I might like the smell of grass, but I can't say Justin because you don't like the smell of grass that you're an asshole, right? That you know I don't want to I don't want to be around them. But the point is that if I have to respect you enough that if you don't like that, then maybe I won't. We won't meet around grass because he doesn't like the smell of grass. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I'm yeah. saying grass. I was gonna say. <laughs> are you already on the issue? I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm I'm just want to give you a chance here to, you know. I'm curious, what is your pitch to your caucus? Like, why why Vince? You know, specifically right. you, what makes you the right one for this position? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest, just totally honest with you. you. You know, our caucus, we have to be unified, right? Um, there's a black caucus, white caucus, and then within those caucuses, there's a fractions, right? Which is so disjointed. And across Tennessee, I think that we have to get more people to give that haven't been given. There's a lot of people that have stopped giving because they don't see the benefit of giving. There's black people that can give, that don't give because they don't see the benefit of it. And my job is to only become a face, not, not necessarily that I want to be the chairman. It's just that I need to show people to be the face that, hey, when you give your money to someone, it's going somewhere, uh, going into a a pot or it's going somewhere that's positive. And and I want you to see the mission and I have to craft that vision that you can believe in um, because that's what we're missing right now. We don't have a vision. We don't have anything. We wait to the last minute to start uh, fundraising for, for, uh, for -hmm. elections. We can't do that. Um, This is a 24 hour day, seven day a week, 365 days a year job, right? We have to get back to being relevant. 
I'm the person that can bring us together. I can, I, I've proved that I can fundraise with white and black people. And that's what it's going to take in order to bring this, this, this state together. Well, good luck to you, man. Uh, you know, I've come to see you do your thing in committee. I saw you go toe to toe with Van Huss. So, you know, I know that you're going to be speaking out no matter what. And, uh, and, you know, I'm glad we have voices like yours up there. Uh, just as a, a final thing here, you know, what is your feeling about the way that Governor Lee has handled the COVID stuff and, and the, the response or lack thereof? I think it's typical Bill Lee. I think the moment is he's proven time and time again, the moment is too big for him. He just can't perform under pressure. And I think it's very irresponsible of him with the COVID cases going up and the Republicans have an overnight retreat and you go to the retreat. They just had a government ops committee meeting. The only two people that probably wore their mask pretty much the entire time were Democrats. So you're going to tell me that you're going to have 70, 80 plus Republicans that's on camera not wearing masks. They all of a sudden, when they're behind closed doors, they're going to wear masks. No. Right. This a, that is a super spreader event. If I ever <laughs> met one, I saw one. Heard we didn't one. even wear one at his fundraiser. Yeah. Oh, but he man. says he'll be it's super almost, safe. It's almost like you had that right. Like you knew what I was going to say. Right <laughs> I did. <then. laughs> and I just think he's 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 done a poor job of not leading this state. And, you know, we need to there's people who have devoted their lives to studying, studying disease, studying pandemics to do things. But we choose to use rhetoric over science. That makes no sense to me. That right there, when you when you decide to do that, that let me know you are not fit to lead because you're going by gut. I guess I have no idea who's 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 doing this, who's telling them what to do. But it is ridiculous. And he has been he he's just not fit for leadership as far as when it comes to serving in the pain. None of us that, that were elected in 2018 or 2000. Well, 2020. Yes. But 2018, none of us signed up to uh, govern or be leaders in, during a pandemic. But it happened. That's why yeah. that's why people elected us, right? Because they have faith in us that we can overcome and lead them and keep them safe, out of harm's way. We're failing miserably, miserably. And for him to make the statement that we're doing great, things are working, his plan is working. What is it working on? What is his plan working? It's such a slap in the face, honestly, right. to all the people that have died or suffered from this. Absolutely. Right. In uh, any just, way. Before and, we and all, I'm surprised yeah. that uh, Dr. Piercy, you know, buys into this and, you know, yeah. they're doing the photo ops, taking pictures of him, taking flu shots, you know, with the T-shirt on and the cigarette pack in his hand, in his arm. You know? and <laughs> it's like, such a good Photoshop. Oh, my God. Really? Like, what? what's what's going on here? You know, is it just is it all about photo ops or do you want to do the job? Mm -hmm. Right. Or did someone just say, hey, it'll be fun to run for governor. Governor, It'll be fun. Yeah. It's like just the trajectory, like being this kind of affluent, wealthier guy, kid from Williamson County. It's just like, that's just what you do. You know, yeah. once you become really successful, well, I might as well run for governor because that means, means I'm qualified. And now the way that he's run it is just like completely spineless. And it's like he's trying to offend as little people as possible. But in the end, by doing that, he offends everyone. Right. You know, so he may as well have just done the right thing from the beginning. It, 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 you know, I'm going to go back to this. And you asked me why I wanted to run for caucus chair, and I'm going to just reiterate it. Because I believe a leader should lead and it should unite. We should not divide. My goal mm -hmm. is to make us one, right? Is to make us have one vision and we all push forward for that vision, right? And it's going to take 
all of us to craft that vision. But once I craft it, we all have buy-in on it. We should be unmoved and undeterred by where we want to go with this. Absolutely. Well, good luck to you in, in this uh, this race. You know, we'll be watching for sure. I think so far, either way, between you and John Ray, you know, you guys are doing it for the right reasons. So good luck to you and uh, come back and see us either way. And uh, we appreciate you being a voice in there regardless. Hey, yeah. now, when, when we finish, I know we said this before, but seriously, I need one of the hats. You're going to have to send me the link so I can buy one. <laughs> no, no. I need, I need just, one. Just send me your address. I'll get you the hat. No problem. Yeah, no, I need that. I, 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 we got to get well, you. Thank I you. In exchange for the hat, can I just get you to say, follow the holler real quick? Say, oh, I'm rep, I'm rep Vincent Dixie, follow the holler. Follow the holler. And if no one has said this, I appreciate what you do, being that voice of, of sometimes unreasonableness, but being that loud voice in the back of someone's head to say, hey, this isn't right. You give people a chance that who really think this, but don't have a voice to say it. And I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you, sir. It means a lot to hear that. And, and uh, sometimes you'd have to kick us in the ass. A little bit. <laughs> we will. And I Trust me. We'll, we'll do it. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Rep Dixie, thanks for coming on here. We'll see you soon. All right. All right. Thank you. Good Appreciate luck. you. That's Reb Dixie right there. Uh, he's right. a good guy. And, you know, he, I, I always think about, he, he was one of the people or, I mean, he was the guy that was going toe to toe with Van Huss, who was one of my oh, least man. favorite people <laughs> in a, in a guy. sea of people that are, you know, deserving of that title. And when he was pushing a bill to force rape teenagers to carry their rapist baby to term and, Rep Dixie was like, do you not see the evil in forcing a, a girl to do that? And he was like, I do not. That put him in Newsweek. Uh, but sometimes you just got to let them <laughs> hang themselves with their own words. And you know, I, know, I know Rep Dixie's always going to be willing to do that. So it's good to have him on here. 